Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would teach us your word tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, lead us and guide us into truth tonight. And we want to know you just a little more tonight. So open our heart, open uh, the, the eyes of our heart to comprehend the truth. And uh, Lord, as we're going to look at the story of Mary, who extravagantly poured that perfume on you, Lord, touch our hearts for how we can respond in like manner. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight is more of a reminder. Uh, I'm not going to go too long. I hope to be done well before 8.30, so this will be a quick one. Um, unless, unless I get th- tomatoes thrown at me, then I'll go longer. Um, that's how it goes. <laughs> a reference to the old Muppet show, if you were old enough. Um, but there is a remarkable individual in Scripture. There's only one person in all of Scripture where Jesus says, I'm going to tell her story. He commits to one person to do this. And it is like this honor. Every time I share about this remarkable woman, it's like, oh, I get to like do what Jesus said and fulfill what he said. But he, uh, he doesn't just throw this out there like, oh, yeah, you did a neat thing. Um, everybody's going to hear about you. He says this about one person. And we find out through the Gospels because this story is in all four Gospels. Um, but it's likely that there were at least two people that did a similar anointing of Jesus because the Luke, the Luke details are so different than the Matthew, Mark, and John details. It, it's apparent that this happened at least twice, and it's likely it could have happened more, but these two stories came into Scripture. But Mary of Bethany is one of them. The other one is referred to as the sinful woman, which is kind of like, gee, thanks, Lord. That's, you know, Mary gets her story, and then the sinful woman. It's like, could you have been nicer about that? But Jesus uh, just referred in Luke as the, the sinful woman that loved much. Um, and so we're going to look at Mary, but in, in Matthew's uh, account, we don't learn her name, but we do in uh, Mark and John. But let me read this, and then we'll just take some lessons from it. Again, just more of a reminder, I think we've all heard this story, but I wanted to glean some new thoughts from it. But let's look to the text. And I have the NIV version, um, or the NI version, the, the New International Version here. I just I love reading different translations. 26. Matthew 26, verse 6. Sorry, I didn't say that part of it. Matthew 26, 6 to 13. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the house of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. 
which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. They were angered by it. Not the response that you would think. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. They wanted, they wanted to monetize this. So they're thinking entrepreneurial. They're thinking business savvy. And Jesus is about to go, there's a kingdom reality. There's this Jesus principle that far transcends the, the, you know, making a quick dollar on this. And th this is actually vital to how people perceive the things of God in our current culture because everybody's trying to monetize everything and there's just a pure response. Not that that's all bad, but we'll keep going here. Uh, verse 10, aware of what the disciples are saying, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And we're going to come back to that statement. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. He says a number of things that just bother our virtue signaling kind of spirit that we're all entrenched in at times. He says poor people are always going to be in the world. But there's only one generation where I, God, am in the flesh and where you can do things to, that bless me. And it's, a, it's, it's like a radical statement. Uh, and you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Interesting how Jesus... I mean, there's a number of things that are very interesting. Jesus is secure enough to tell other people's stories. You know, we rightly say things like, well, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, well, I'm actually going to talk about you <laughs> who lived the gospel by doing what you did. I mean, this is... If you could take the whole gospel and say, what's the right response? Jesus would say, that's why we're telling her story. This is the correct response to seeing Jesus and perceiving his beauty. What's the right response? Just giving everything. And she did it. And here's the thing, and I'm going to go through a few points, but I'm also going to go off the cuff like I normally do. She has no status of leadership. She is totally nobody. Matthew doesn't even include her name. Evidently, that wasn't important to Matthew. We learn her name. This is Mary of Bethany. She has virtually no cultural status. She's a woman. And in that culture, there was not much status for women. Okay? I'm just stating that as fact. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Um, and then she's not an apostle. She has no ministry that we know of. We learn... Uh, in, in a couple different accounts, she sat at Jesus' feet, you know, and so there's, there's not any formal leadership or anything, and yet her life becomes a teachable point for other leaders. What she does to the Lord becomes a teachable point for the Twelve and for church history for us tonight. And so I want to look at a few of the things she did. I mean, this is a really interesting story, very significant. 
Notice this is uh, point number one. I'm just calling our attention to the word beautiful. Jesus is sitting in a church service, so to speak. You know, they went to Simon the leper's house. He was evidently healed of leprosy, which is a miracle. So they're doing a banquet and food. That's what you do when someone gets healed, apparently. And here comes this lady into church and just breaks this perfume that just, I mean, just the aroma is just overwhelming. Just the whole church service. I'm just making, you know, kind of making it in our terms. It is just overwhelming fragrance. And it's, it's like so bad, it's like annoying. Uh, and let me just, I'm trying to be kind of silly about this, but have you ever hugged someone at church and you smelt like them the rest of the day? Do you know what I'm talking about? That kind of perfume. I mean, I, I, that happens to me a lot. You give them a hug and then you, you smell like them all day. But this, this was one of those moments where it was just absurdly aromatic. Okay, this was a ton of perfume and it was very valuable. And it was just almost like, what? Like, can you imagine, just imagine at a Sunday service, someone like instead of dropping money into the basket, they just bring this big old thing or perfume and just crush it. And it's like, oh, what? And so it just seemed almost like, what? I get it. I'm, I'm human. I would just be like. And so they all are like, what is she doing? If I were among the 12, if I were one of the people in this house, I would have probably responded this way. I think most of us would. Jesus always sees things so different. This is what I find remarkable about him. He's always interpreting and perceiving things the best way possible. And he says to her, uh, he says to the others that were trying to correct her, he says, what she has done is a beautiful thing. What she has done is beautiful which means we can do things that God says, that was beautiful to me. People like me and you, she did it, we can do it. We can make decisions in our life where God says, beautiful to me. Absolutely beautiful, stunning, incredible. What I find interesting also in that line of Scripture Jesus does not just say it was a beautiful, done, a beautiful thing done for me. It was a beautiful thing done to me. To me. Often, we talk about what we do for Jesus. The things we do for Him. The ministry. The outreach. You know... Uh, going to serve. Those are very important. The ministry we do for Jesus is critical, but then there's the ministry directly to Him that is a whole other category that moves Him. We cannot just do things for Jesus our whole life. There has to be a separate ministry that we do to Him. There's a, a personal reach, like a I'm going to give everything of me for the sake of you and me. Not just because I'm trying to, you know, do the ministry you've called me to. 
But he says, this woman has done a beautiful thing to, to me. In other words, it's like she treated him right. She responded to him right. And it wasn't just a service for him. It was something he took very personally. Do you remember in the book of Acts what Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus? When he was persecuting the church, what did Jesus say to him? Sorry, I'm getting all kinds of weird... I'm going to maybe turn, push these. Is that kind of tinny out there? It feels like it's tinny. Push these up a little bit. See if that helps. Who's the Bible scholar in the house? Remember what Jesus said? Yep. Exactly. Saul, why are you persecuting me? When... Saul was persecuting Christians. Jesus showed up and said, hey, you're persecuting me. You're doing things to me. When you know, Jesus shared a parable about the, you know, the people who are commended by the Lord, and the Lord said, you, know, you did all these things for me. And they go, when, Lord? When do we do that? And he said, every time. You did it for one of the least of these. You've done it to me. Jesus takes things that we do personally. I mean, He doesn't just have a spreadsheet that He remembers. There are things we do, decisions we make that affect Him in real ways. This moved Him. And the good news is we can make decisions that move Him. We can also make decisions that grieve Him. We can make decisions that go, ooh, no, no. <laughs> Jesus called that beautiful, and I want to encourage us to be those who make decisions that Jesus calls beautiful. Let me make this a little more practical. There are times in our life where it just clicks. Jesus, it just makes sense to fully devote yourself to Him. Whatever that means at a given stage of life, there are seasons and times where it's just like, here's what i got to do. Not to prove anything to anybody, not to earn anything, but you just it's like you've met Jesus in a real way and the Holy Spirit's leading you to respond in a way that just seems so crazy extravagant. Now for some people that might be turning off the TV for a month. It might mean a thousand different things, but when you see Jesus rightly, when you see Him in His majesty and beauty like Mary saw Him, there are times where it's like, how can I respond in such a way that is commensurate with who He really is. And this is in the final week of Jesus' life. I mean, this is getting down to crunch time. I don't know if she really knew that. It doesn't tell us in the story. But her heart was moved and stirred by the Spirit to do something extravagant. And there's going to be times in our life where you're going to feel the same way. And this is not a sermon on giving money. I just want you to know that on the, on the front end. 
But you know the Spirit is really stirring your heart for the Lord when you start to go, what can I give to Him? Not a, you know, It's not about giving to a church or whatever. You, you work out those details. But I just so want to just break my flask, my perfume on Him. What does that look like? And it could be a one-time decision. It could be a consistent decision you make. But there is a way we can respond to Him that He says, that is a beautiful response. And I want to consistently make those my whole life. And I want you to make those your whole life. Because she saw something that not even the disciples saw. Okay, so when you like become a leader one day or you become a pastor or you do missions or whatever, you don't like all of a sudden because uh, uh, by virtue of that position see Jesus clearer. No, you see Jesus clearer because you just, every day you're seeking Him. In every season you're, you're seeking to obey Him and there are just times and seasons where it clicks I want to go even more all in. I want to give even more of myself to Him. What does that look like? And what it looked like for her is she was going to give probably her most cherished item that she had. And she wasn't just going to sell it, give a little bit to the Lord and get rid of the rest. She was just going to completely break it over Him as a, as a sign. This is, this is my... I'm completely giving everything to you. My whole future, all my money, everything. And she just did that. It was such an extreme thing to do that everybody present was just taken aback. And we see that Judas chimed in. He was like, hey, you should have sold that. But he just wanted a piece of it. That's what we, uh, John explains that quite well. But what I'm saying to you this really is the right response to Christ. This is the right response to the gospel. A lot of people will say that's legalism. That's bondage. We don't have to do that. The work is finished. They'll use a bunch of Christian lingo or quote unquote Christian lingo to get out of everything that they feel like they have to do. But this is what love does. When you love someone, you don't just go buy the little ring in the 25-cent machine and get a little plastic thing and throw it at the person you love. You go invest in something as a sign of your love. You bring out the big... I mean, I remember when Mandy and I were getting engaged, we were like, ooh, these are expensive. Eee. Not that a ring means how much you love and all that. I'm just saying, when, when, when you love someone, you think differently, you make different decisions, and money is not a thing. It's less of a thing. And this, this woman, Mary, had seen something in Christ. She was moved by love and she wanted to give all. And we all have to work out what that means. But as you look back on your journey, your walk with the Lord, there will be Marked moments where you're like, I went all in again there. And a couple of years later, all in. And a couple of years later, uh, you know, a huge financial commitment to the Lord. And your life will have those statements of love in your history uh, because He's becoming more precious to you. Here's the thing. Jesus is so uh, vast and so big, he, you never get to the end of Him. So your whole life, He just looks more beautiful. 
Every passing year, the more you study him, he doesn't, he doesn't diminish. He just gets more and more amazing. And so you just want to do more and more. Again, not legalism, not trying to earn God's love. You already, he already loves you. We all know this. But as a response to who he is and what he has done for you. Jesus will commend you. This is the second time Mary of Bethany was commended for a choice she made that other people did not understand. You remember Mary and Martha, that scenario where Mary's just sitting there and Martha's like, Lord, I didn't, you know, does her little thing. And, and Jesus goes, no, I'm not going to tell her to stop sitting at my feet and hearing my voice because I'm God. And if I give her my words, it's, she's going to have something that no one else has. I'm not going to tell her to stop. And so once again, here she is doing something that people don't, don't understand. And Jesus has to tell his disciples, no, she gets it and you don't get it. Ooh, that's humbling. These are supposedly the church leaders. These are supposedly the people that are going to take the church forward after he dies. And they will. They, you know, they're like us. They didn't understand a lot. But he used this uh, moment to teach them. He's like, guys, this woman who has no position, no status in society, she has surpassed you in love. She's making decisions that you need to catch up with as you lead the church forward, in essence. Here's the thing. A lot of people follow Jesus, but not everybody sees what she sees. I want us to see what she sees. I want us to see Jesus in all of His glory and majesty. Of course, we're going to see a glimmer in this life. But I want to see as much of that glimmer as I can. Jesus will commend you. If, if you, like uh, this woman, make these decisions to extravagantly love the Lord in, in whatever that looks like in your life or my life, He will make you and your life a teachable moment for others. He will do the same thing. You won't even, you're not even trying to make a big deal out of your own life. It's just, he, it will happen. He will do it. Okay, just a few more points. If you make extravagant decisions to love Jesus, guess what? He will make sure those decisions have prophetic significance. I don't think Mary was thinking, oh my goodness, if I break in there and break this flask, it is going to be for his burial and there's going to be this teachable moment and it's going to be written down and Jesus... Is to... She had no clue. She just loved Jesus. And so she made decisions. She's not even thinking of people who aren't making these decisions. She's just like, I see... He saved me of my sins. I'm going to heaven forever. Oh my gosh, I'm just going to just do the most radical thing I can think of. And her life becomes a prophetic witness. And here's the thing, if you just keep loving Jesus, you're going to get more and more extravagant. You're just going to make more and more private decisions to love Him. And those private decisions, they will leak out. And they will be fragrant. And other people will be stirred by them. Some good, some not so good. But Jesus will have your back. He will commend you. Your life will become a message. Your decisions will become a message. Not that that's even the point, but it will happen by default. If you just love him, if you just follow him. Here's the thing. Jesus uses people to teach the gospel to other people. And if you live in agreement with, uh, with 
If you live the gospel, your life will become a, a teachable point to others. You will make Christ known. And, it, and here's the thing. People think, well, if it's going to be significant, it has to be to a multitude of people. No, you may love Jesus better than anybody else, and three people are impacted by it, or 12, or 15, or a million. It, don't worry about the numbers. Just be faithful and love Jesus and do it year in and year out. I've been really, uh, I've been really, uh, I don't know what the word is. I've been contemplating uh, a lot. I usually contemplate a lot, but just the, the idea of when we go in for Jesus, it's for life. It's lifelong. It's not for a season. It's for life. And if you just take the steady approach to love Jesus consistently the rest of your life, you will be light years ahead in 20 years than if, you, you know, you just, just, just be faithful, be consistent, make decisions to love him. And you will be far beyond you ever could have imagined in, in not too long. I've, I've known many people, I say this regrettably, who go hard for a couple years for the Lord. And then it's like they give up for, and then who knows if they're coming back or whatever, but don't just, just in your own way, set your heart to love him for life. Not just in your teens and 20s and 30, but life. And you do that and it's just, it's ever increasing depth of love. Uh, real quick, he will tell your story. Again, not that that's even the point. Your story will get out and it will instruct people. He will tell anyone's story. Here's the thing. He will tell anyone's story. Jesus will tell your story if it points back to Jesus. I know that kind of ruffles feathers because, oh, I thought we were supposed to tell Jesus' story. Jesus goes, yes, if you live, if your life shouts Jesus, then I'll tell your story because it will get back to me. He has no insecurity in him at all. He will raise up people who simply love him, make decisions to love him, and he raises up this woman. We are literally learning about a woman who just points us right back to Jesus. I love that about her. Okay. People, uh, yeah. Maybe one last thought here. Or no, maybe that was it. My, my, my uh, practical exhortation, ask for the Spirit to open your eyes to see Jesus in all of His majesty and beauty so that extravagant decisions or devotion make sense to you. Just, just Holy Spirit, let me see the real Jesus of the Gospels. Let me see Him over and over and over again every week, month, and year till I meet you. Help me to see more and more of just who He is. I don't want a cultural Jesus. I want a biblical Jesus. Okay, there's a lot of people today who are following the Jesus of our culture and of America who's only interested in making you wealthy in this temporal existence. The Jesus of the New Testament wants you to be absolutely ridiculously wealthy in eternity. <laughs> and so he's approaching things differently. He wants more than just financial wealth. He wants you to be wealthy on the inside. He wants you to know God. That's the real gold and treasure in this life is to know Him. And so He, 
he is, uh, he is uh, you know, doing different things than the Jesus that is often presented. Um, I just threw that in. If that kind of messes with you, we'll, we'll do a very quick Q&A. But I want to encourage all of us, okay? And if you've listened to me preach for some you know, months and years, you're going to hear this a lot. But let's just always be asking, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus more. Show me who he is. Show me what he's like. And, 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 and then as I see him, help me to respond like the people in the Bible responded, like the people responded right here. Now, here's the thing. One last point. There are people who saw Jesus do incredible things and said, no, thanks. And so Jesus is, in essence, he's like a dividing line. There is nobody greater than this man. I mean, there is nobody who can touch the greatness of Christ. I mean, there's, you're not going to ever meet anybody that even remotely approaches him. But the choice is mine and yours. We can make a choice. And I want to encourage us to make consistently a choice to love him over and over again. To live extravagantly. Do you remember the story where Jesus did the thing where he cast the demons into the pigs? That is the craziest story. I actually read that today. They, they start talking to each other. And they're like, please don't send us. Yeah, you know, it's the craziest story. He sends them into the pigs. The pigs run off the cliff. And do you remember what happens after this? There's like this little end point on the story. Does anybody remember? It's the craziest thing. Like people watch this whole thing happen like it's a movie. And they say, exactly. They say, we don't want anything to do with you. We see the power that you have. We don't want anything to do with it. And there are many people who know, like Jesus, wow, he's, he's a big deal. I just don't want him anywhere near my life because of the implications on my life. And I believe that someone like Mary would just sit and just go, what? This is the king of glory. He, you should be giving your all to him. But just because we see him does not guarantee we're going to respond rightly. And so I want to point us consistently back to scriptural narratives where people responded a certain way. And God, the creator God, said, that's beautiful. You know, if you did something with your life and like the president said, beautiful, beautiful. I love what you did there. That'd be like, whoa. <laughs> or some of the CEO of your company or whatever noticed you and said, that's incredibly excellent. But if God, if there's something that you can do or a way you can live or a response that God says, beautiful. And that, I take that personally. You did that to me. Let's align our life. Because here's the thing, we're all heading, we're all heading to a decision at some point where we stand before God, right? Every single human on the planet will stand before God. We had this conversation on the way over. Every single parent that tells their kid that's eight years old they can transition to a new gender, they, they will actually stand before God. And God will not mince words. He will call that evil. And He will send them to an eternal fire where there will be an unquenchable flame, Jesus said. There are decisions people are making that will be horrific for eternity. And so just all I'm saying is we're all going to have that, that meeting with God one day where we stand before Him 
and he's like, here's what your life really did. There are going to be people where he will truly be, that was the most beautiful response you could have had in your short life. And wouldn't you want to hear that? Oh, I want everybody that, that would hear me to say, I want that life. And again, it, you can't compare it. We can't go do what Mary did and replicate that, even though I think some people did. Word got out, and Jesus liked that. We should do that. And so I'm sure other people tried. But there are things in your life, whatever it is, where the Holy Spirit will say, this is, this is what you're, you know, whatever is next. And you're going to lay something down, or you're going to take something up, or you're going to give something to the Lord. And by the way, whenever we give anything, financial or whatever, it's always unto the Lord, even though practically speaking it goes to a ministry or a church or a mission in Africa or whatever, it's always unto the Lord. You always have to just get that settled. Okay, that church may fold and never do another thing in ministry, but it's in God's account. He remembers it forever and it moves him. We, we have to be clear on that. Okay, let's make decisions where God says, I just, man, it's like we're going to blink and we're going to be before the Lord. There he is, the, 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 the king of glory. He's assessing my life, your life. And there's just, look, let's go through the history. You know, Derek, oh, that was so beautiful. Oh, not so good. But that was beautiful. You know, he's going to go through that. He's going to wipe tears away. And then we're going to inherit, you know, all eternity with him. I'm a little all over the place tonight. But you get the gist. Let's respond right to the Lord. Let's respond in a way that Jesus says, beautiful, beautiful, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.